So this series, again, we are starting off the new year uh, with a new series of four weeks on purpose. And again, we're all motivated in the new year, right, to think like, okay, there's some changes I need to make, or, you know, we just have this open perspective of the potential, right, of what's coming. And and with that said, though, is that we do have um, some guidelines in our lives, right, of of followers of Jesus, of walking with God, that, that he's given us um, some guidelines of specific areas of our lives and to be good stewards of those areas. Okay? And, and again, how can I use what I have that God has given me in my life for his glory? And, and really, that's the ultimate heart change that happens when you follow Jesus, right? Is that life isn't about you anymore, right? It's about God. And in fact, when we look through our world and our culture and just everything that we deal with and everything that's in the headlines and, and uh, whatever it is, we notice that that is the, the, the most foundational, sinful human condition is selfishness. And, and, and we naturally take care of ourselves. That's what the world tells us to do and defend ourselves and, and look out for number one and, and again, use people to get yourself ahead. And, and yet that's truly the opposite of the way that the Bible tells us to live life. Right? In fact, Jesus says that if you actually die to yourself, give up your life, that's how you'll find what really matters, right? That's how you'll find real life. And that's where that transformation starts, right? It starts with us committing to follow Jesus and doing life a different way. And that's really what the journey of faith is about, right? It's about doing life with God, not alone. And doing life in community, right, with other like-minded believers that are also committed to, to glorifying God with our lives, and we learn together and encourage each other, right, to, to, to truly live our lives on purpose for God's glory. And so as we open up this series uh, today, I, I want to start with just our, our just base foundational passage for this series. And Romans chapter 12 is going to be is our, our basis for this series. And, and again, this is a, a of scripture that we come back to a lot in our, in our vision of, of our journey with God and the transformational process that we are a part of. Um, and, and so this morning, I want to start just by looking at Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open with me to Romans chapter 12. If you're with us in person, don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat, so you're welcome to use. You'll notice uh, here is the page numbers as well of where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, if you have your Bible close to you, you can open with me to Romans chapter 12. If not, you can just listen as I read it, but we're going to read the first couple verses and the last verse, so we're not going to read the entire chapter, even though we're going to dive into the whole chapter over the next few weeks. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, and this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. As we skip down to the last verse, again in verse 21, it says, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And, and again, that's the, the summary, right? He starts out with this opening thought, right, about us being transformed by God's Spirit, and, and, and now that we've joined the journey of faith, and we've accepted Christ as our Savior, now we're ready to move forward with a new purpose, with a new direction, with a new vision of life, right? and to be transformed, and change the way we think, and, and again, move from being selfishly motivated, right, to being godly motivated. 
And as we do that, right, he, he lays out like, this many things in this chapter of, of practical ways that we do that, that we change the way we think, that we, uh, you know, change our perspective, that we don't um, let ourselves any longer be conquered by evil, but, but yet let the good of, of Christ overwhelm our lives as we move in a new direction. Now, four things that are addressed in chapter 12 in different ways is our time, our money, our talents and abilities, and our relationships. And these four areas of our life are kind of summed up in this chapter. They're addressed there, but <laughs> the, the reality is these four areas of our life are addressed a lot in Scripture. Now, as we see that, we're going to um, just dive into each one throughout the week and, and throughout the next few weeks as we look at each one and dive deeper into them. So today we're going to dive into the first one that is, I mentioned, and that is our time. Now, as we start this to say is I just want you to know where I'm coming from with all of these messages, not just today, but all of them, and to say is that I'm learning with you. Okay? I, I'm not standing here saying, like, I have this figured out. I manage my time perfectly. Like, nothing ever goes wrong. Like, there's a, this is, that's just not true. In, in fact, literally last night, we were, I was sitting in, in the car with my two oldest sons as we were stranded on the side of the road waiting for a tow company to come for, I mean, hours, right? And, and literally, as we were talking, and through that, we, again, we got visited by the sheriff, even, okay? And, and, and if you guys, this, this, this is the sheriff, he actually comes to our church, which is actually really funny, like, he pulled up, and anyways, yeah, and it's kind of hard to see, because it was dark, right? We were there for hours, okay? and, and literally, part of the conversation, as we're talking about, like, well, what if we get home, right? And we ended up getting home, literally, at, like, 1.45 in the morning, Right? And part of the conversation in the car with that was saying, be like, yeah, I still have to do my PowerPoint for tomorrow. Right? And we're kind of laughing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to bed until really late. And again, part of it, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know the funniest thing. And they're like, what? And I was like, I'm preaching on managing my time. Right? And so here we are to say that, okay, is that I'm here with you, right? We're learning together. Okay? We, we don't get this right. Right? Which is why we're looking at it, right? To know that, that we have to move forward together. So as we think about our time, right, just take this in for a minute. Sometimes it flies and sometimes it crawls, but it always passes. We mark it, we save it, we waste it, we bite it, we race against it, and we measure it incessantly. It is more precious than gold but cannot be bought earned, or saved, it is our time. Right? And when we think about our time, when we think about um, the different situations we get ourselves into, right? this is, again, one that, um, that is consistent in our lives, and there's so much in our lives that, that doesn't feel consistent, right? But time just keeps going. Right? And when we think about that, and again, even to say that, is, as I said, is we're starting this parenting deal. Well, like Literally, my oldest son is graduating high school this year, and I look back, he turned 18 two days ago. Right? And I'm sitting back looking at that and be like, how is that even possible? Right? And yet, time just keeps going. Right? And as we think about that and realize that, there's a couple facts that I, I just want to point out that Scripture teaches us right, about our time. The, the first one is this, is 
is the fact that God is in control of time. God is in control of it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. Hey, mo- most of us do. Right? Even if it's perceived control, right? Like, I, it just, that's a comfort zone, right? And, and yet, realizing that when it comes to time, I, I am not in control of it. There is so much that happens every timeline, all the things that are so outside of my control. And that sometimes comes with some great frustrations, right? Like that a tow truck is literally 20 minutes away from us, and it takes them over five hours to get there, right? Like there, I mean, there, there's just these things happen, and these frustrations come, and, and yet time is completely out of our control, but it is not outside of God's control, right? God is bigger than time. In fact, God literally created time. I mean, it was his idea, right? I mean, you look back at creation, right? And, and when he, st- he made the sun and, and the moon and, and rotations and everything that, that dictates our time, like God did that. Like God is in complete control of it. As you see in Second Peter verses, or chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, it says, but, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Again, this is a very powerful passage, and so many things we see that, but yet it puts in perspective the reality that God is in control of time. He created it. He has the power to, to do anything he wants to do in the timeline that he wants to do it in. Again, this is really interesting, right? It is that the Lord isn't really being slow in the promise as some people think. Right? Now, again, I, I'll tell you, guilty, right? Like, I, I've, I've gone to God and be like, God, I think this would be a great time for you to do this. Right? Like, I've got it all figured out. Like, just, just God, if you just do what, I, what I've got planned out, like, in my timing, it'll, it'll, it'll work out, Lord. Guilty. Right? But yet again, it's it just as, as, as Peter points out, right, it's a part of perspective, right, of knowing that, like, okay, I might have it figured out, but God's being like, yeah, yeah, you really don't. Right? You really don't understand. Like, if I did that in that timing, what, what would happen, right? Like, I, again, I trust that God sees things that I don't see. Right? But God is in control of time, and, and yet so many times, right, we, we come to that as like, God is too slow. No, he's not. God is perfect. He's holy. Right? And his timing is perfect. And it doesn't always fill into with our expectations. Now, that is absolutely true. Right? But it doesn't mean that his timing, that he's slow or that his timing's wrong. Again, as you think about this idea, right, that, again, we, it's all about perspective. Right? And, and when we understand that God is in the one that's in control of time, Right, it pushes our perspective back on him. And so as we think about this fact, and then like, how do I respond to that fact? Right, and when, when I know that God is in control, then, then the, the next logical question that I need to ask myself, because that fact is true, right, is are my plans hindering my faith journey? Is my plans going against what God wants in his timing and his wisdom? 
Like I said, so, so many times, right, I've had to go back and, and, and confess to the Lord and thank the Lord for not giving me what I wanted when I asked for it. Right? And because my plans would have hindered what God wanted, right, already done, or even the right action in the wrong timing will give me the wrong results. And as we think about that, again, I ask, are my plans hindering my faith journey? Again, James addresses this exact question, this as attitude in, in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town, we're going to stay there for a year, I'll do business, I will make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. And what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do, and then not. Again, an incredibly powerful passage, and there's a couple phrases in here, though, that, that I encourage you to underline on your outline or in your Bible if you're the person that writes in your Bible. It, 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 one of the phrases it says, what you ought to say. It, it, this is a, a really key phrase because, because again, it's, it's a complete shift right, in the way that we look at our lives and look at our plans. Right? Because, again, he's saying, you start out and say, this is what you do, right? Is that we hold our plans with a closed fist. We're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go here for this long. I'm going to do this. And God, you're going to bless it. Right? And he's like, but what you ought to say is, Lord, this is what I will do. Do you want me to do this, right? If Bless it, right, with open hands, right? It's saying, Lord, you're the one that's in control, right? So this, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to, I'm going to be work. I'm not just going to sit back and wait, right? Like the scripture tells us not to do that either necessarily, Sometimes we need to wait, but sometimes we need to move, right? And we need to hold this and say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. What, do you, what should you do? What do you want me to do, Lord? Right? It's, it's open hand instead of closed one. Right? It, it's God staying in control, not me taking back control. It, does, it doesn't say you shouldn't plan out your time, but it does say you shouldn't hold on to those plans too tightly. Right? There's a balance to be found. And again, I'll tell you, right, I've struggled with this one. I figure it out, I fall into the Lord bless me as I do this mentality, and then I'm shocked when he doesn't. Maybe you can identify too. Right? And as you think about that, right, this is a very key phrase, right, what you ought to say. And then the, the last phrase, right, of, of verse 17 I, again, I encourage, encourage you to underline or circle the phrase, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And how many times have I messed up God's timetable, right? Because he told me to do something, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I need to do that, Lord. Not yet. Again, Paul addresses this in chapter 12. I mean, this, this idea of, the, of the how I might be hindering God's plan for my life and my own faith journey, right? In Romans 12, verse 11, he says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Again, never be lazy, never sit back and, and, and not do it just because I'm lazy, right? But he's saying, but, but work hard. I, I mean, he literally draws this, 
correlation, right, between lazy and working hard in this verse. And these are, are opposites, right? There, there is, if, if I'm working hard, I'm not lazy. If I'm lazy, I'm not working hard. I mean, this is not a hard concept to realize. But yet, the, the other thing, though, that he brings up here that is a little more of a harder concept to understand is he says to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, this one can be a little harder because it's not just physical movement like laziness or hard work, right? This is a mentality shift. This is way more in my head and my heart than it is with my hands and my feet. Again, there are lots of opposites to serving the Lord enthusiastically. I think in the opposite is lazy, right, is hard work. I mean, they're, they're just, it's one and one. But, but serving the Lord enthusiastically, right, there's lots of opposites that can come with that one. Fear, anxiety, my own comfort zone, resisting change. I just don't like it. Right? I, I mean, there's, we can come up with all kinds of things, right, that hold us back. But we can't lose sight of the fact that God is the one that's in control all the time. And just as we look at everything, all of these things we're going to look at through these next few weeks, right, it's all God's. I mean, he, he's the author of it all. That's even our time. It, which, which leads us to the second fact I want to point out today. And, and the second fact about our time is this is that there's enough time to accomplish everything God needs you to accomplish. There's enough time to accomplish everything God needs you to accomplish. And yet, it's, it's easy, right, to fall into this trap as well, right? How many times have you said in your own heart or mind or literally even physically said to somebody, sorry, I'm too busy? Okay, Guilty. There is enough time to accomplish everything that God needs you to accomplish. And Solomon, in all of his wisdom, in Ecclesiastes, he, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Everything that God wants us to do, there's a time to do. Now again, when we look at this, again, this is a really famous passage. I mean, if you go into Ecclesiastes and read chapter 3, it's, it's a great start to the year. Right? To read that there's, there's a time for everything. And there's a time to cry, there's a time to celebrate, there's a time to live, there's a time to die. I mean, you go through, you know, this famous passage. And, and yet, again, we think about everything that God needs us to accomplish, that I have all the time I need to do what God needs me to do. And yeah, I just say it, like, even here, after hearing a sermon like this, especially the first of the year, right, we get all motivated, we're like, yeah, I'm going to make these changes, and I'm going to do all this stuff, and, and, and we move into it, right, and like, we, we move to this, this new extreme, right, and, and again, there's, that yet we, we also know the human condition, right, that we, we jump in, two feet, we're all excited and motivated, and that there's a reason why most, most people who actually go to the gym take January off. Okay, because they know that all the rest of us get all excited and we go there and then they, it's crowded, right? But they also know that all the rest of us will give up by February. They, and, and yet, you know, again, we, we think about this and what we're going to put in our lives and what we do on purpose and how we're going to spend our time, right? Know that there's, there's enough time to accomplish everything that God needs you to accomplish. And, and don't forget that rest is something that God needs you to accomplish, 
right? And there's enough time for you to rest. Okay, that fun is included in what God needs you to do. There's enough time for you to take a deep breath and have some fun. Again, work is something that God has given us to do, right? The good works he's created for us long ago, right? Like, he wants you to do stuff with your life, too, right? And there's time to do it. And I think especially as a pastor, it's easy to, to forget about rest and fun and get so focused on, you know, hyper-focused on good things, right? But the things that will just wear you out if we don't include rest and fun. And as we, as we think about this, right, um, again, the, the, the questions that we naturally have to ask ourselves when we know the fact that there's enough time for us to accomplish everything God needs us to accomplish, the, the first one I'm going to bring up is just, are you investing or squandering your time? Again, the, you have all that there is. So are you going to invest it or are you going to squander it? Now, now we, we can realize, right, again, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's faith journey is different. Uh, our perspectives are different. The things that God needs us to do with our time, but what my time is different than with your time, right? And again, there's some common things, and we can see that and know that, but yet we also need to be asking that question, right, about, okay, am I investing or squandering? And we also need to understand that different people define this very differently of what is squandering time and what is investing time. Again, one of the things that I've learned about myself and about my personality is that I need to be active and I need to have times of fun or else I will never be productive in my work. And in fact, if, if you follow my social media feed, you think the only thing I do is play. Okay, but yet that's the only time I ever take a picture or post, right, is when, I, when I'm not working. Because when I work, I'm, I'm working, I'm focused, I'm not on my phone. I, I never take a picture of me studying at my desk, right? And, but yeah, I know that about myself. Like, if I, if I don't play enough, right, that I'll be frustrated in my work. But the same is also true, right? If I don't work enough, I'll be, I'll be guilty, I'll feel guilty when I'm playing. And now again, somebody might, like I said, you could watch my, if you just look at some of my social media feeds and you'd be like, no, Brian is squandering a lot of time. Yeah, I, I see it differently. I'm investing time in, in fun, right, so that I can invest wholeheartedly in work. So again, it's, it's just knowing that about myself, right, means that I spend time golfing and skiing and boating so that I can be productive with the rest of my life. So are you investing or are you squandering? And to say that's the definition you have to find for yourself. That's between you and God and how he made you. It's not, you can't take my definition and apply it to you necessarily. So when you think about investing and squandering, then the next question, right, that, that naturally comes from that is, are you investing in the right things? Right, because we can, again, there is a fine line between investing and squandering your time, isn't there? Right? And when we think about that, again, we need to understand and realize, especially when it comes to our time, that every yes that you give with your time is an automatic no to something else. Right? Every yes you give is an automatic no to something else. Again, I think last night, right, a yes to go rescue my stranded son and babysit my truck, right, was a no to sleep. 
for a few more hours, okay? Every yes is an automatic no to something else, and yet that's just the way time works. So we need to make sure that we're saying yes to the right things and no to the right things. In Ephesians chapter 5, we are told to be careful on how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. So make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Again, notice, again, to to live our lives wisely, to be investing in the right things, means that we need to ask God what he wants us to do, right? Because the premise that Paul puts in this concept is that we are, are, that we understand what the Lord wants me to do. And that's not always an easy thing. And again, everybody's faith journey is a little bit different, and, and, but yet that means we have to actually ask God. It goes back to our open hand, right? Because God is the one who defines whether we're squandering or investing. And God is the one that will tell us if we're investing in the right things. Now, again, there's parts of our journey and parts of our time and our investment in our time, right, that is, that is unique to every one of us, and yet there are also things that are universal to every believer, in fact, human. And when we look at our time, I mean, our time is connected to our money, right? And our money is connected to our, ta- our talents, and our talents are connected to our relationships, and our relationships are connected to our time. I mean, as we look at all four of these things, they're all interwoven, right? And they're all addressed in Scripture over and over and over again. Again, I underline that phrase, right, what the Lord wants you to do. I tell you, first and foremost, the, the, what God wants you to do the most is to have a, a relationship with him. He died on the cross, he rose again, he sent the Christ child, I mean, everything we just celebrated the Christmas, like all that. He did that because the number one thing that God wants for you is for you to be saved and to be in, in an ongoing, open, growing relationship with him. And so, again, that, that's universal, right, to everybody, right, is that, that God wants you, that to happen in your life. And the other thing is once you pray and receive Christ as your Savior, you join the journey of faith, and you start moving your direction or your life in a new direction, like towards the cross instead of away from it, right, and we're looking to that, then, then again, as God starts to transform our minds and gives us a new perspective, right, then we, he opens our eyes to the second thing that he wants every believer to do. And that is to live out your faith in a way that shows everybody else what faith in Jesus really is. So that they also can start with the first thing, right? Which is to find Christ as their Savior. And when we think about that and, and think about our lives, right? And the time that we have, as we, we think about our lifespan. And as we look at this rope, right? This, this, this red section, right? It represents the years we have in our life on earth. And again, if we're lucky, right, it's like 100 years, right, if we're lucky. I guess maybe that's a matter of perspective too, isn't it? Again, okay, maybe, it might be 100, it might be 80, right, it might be 20, right, but again, if this is your earthly life, okay, you know what the rest of this rope represents? And you have the only problem with this illustration is that there's an end to this rope. Because if this is our earthly life, this is where we face God. 
And this is where eternity starts. He said, and the problem with this illustration is the fact that, that it doesn't keep going. Right? Because that's, this, this shows us, right? Like, like we, we don't have, I mean, time is, is, is infinite, right? Like, yeah, we don't have a lot of time on earth. Especially when we compare it to eternity. Right? Like, think about what do we spend our, our, our time on earth, like, focusing on and worrying about and, and moving towards, right? Like, like, again, we spend this much of our life, right, saving up for, to enjoy this much of our life with no work in retirement, right? I mean, think, we, we spend our time, right? I mean, this is all the time we have. And, and, and it's, it's nothing compared to all of this, Right? And yet, what are we doing with this time? Because if we're not ready for this day, this moment, then all of this is squandered. Right? And it starts out with saying, are we ready for this moment, right, whenever that happens? And just like, just like that scripture says, right, we have no idea when that will happen. Right? Whether it's our physical death, right, or the, when we, we go to, to judgment through death, or whether it's through Christ's second coming, right, is we never know when that's going to happen. But what we do know, right, is that it will happen, right? And that beyond that is that we have eternity that God tells us about. And again, are, are you ready for that day? And if you are ready for that day, are you helping other people get ready for that day? Right, because this is the amount of time that we have, because God wants you, there's two things that we know that God wants for your life, and that is that he wants you ready for that day. And he wants us to help him get as many people to that point, right? So that they get, that all of the white is in heaven. When we think about our time, are, are, we, are we investing it or are we squandering it? The good news is we have all there is. But the bad news is we have all there is. How are we using it? Are we living our lives on purpose? take full advantage of the time that God's given us. I, ho- I hope you are. I, I, I hope that this, even just looking at this, that this is exciting, right? This is a motivation of thinking about like, look how long I get to be with God in heaven. Again, I don't know where your faith journey is at today. I don't know if you're ready for that day or not, but I, I hope you are. If you've never prayed and received Christ as your Savior, right, that it starts. That's how, first, how you start doing life on purpose. It's by praying and receiving him and inviting him into your life, confessing your sin and receiving, again, the, the grace and mercy, salvation and forgiveness and love that he offers us. And if you have, are you taking full advantage of whatever time we have left to move forward in my faith, and to help others find Jesus too. Again, we can get so caught up with our time on earth that we forget about eternity. And as we think about that this morning, I hope that we can all get to this place, right, that, that, that Paul gives us in 2 Timothy. And that's, that's my final thought for today. Is it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. Again, and this is Paul at the end of his earthly life, right? When he knows that his, his red section is, is, is almost done. 
Okay, and he says, but for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, and I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Again, these are words of a man who was sold out to God, would give everything that he had. Right, looking back at his life and saying, like, yep, I, ma- I did everything that you asked me to do, Lord. I-, I hope that we all can get to that place, right, where we've managed our time in, in such a way, right, that we can echo those words. Like I said, I don't know where your life, your faith is at today. I don't know how you're managing your time, but, but I do know that you need Jesus to be guiding you and to be walking with you as we all walk together in community and, and figuring out what it means to follow Jesus as best as we can. So wherever you're at, your faith journey today, I, hope, I encourage you to take a step forward, whether that's praying, receiving Christ as your Savior for the first time, or just committing to saying, like, I'm going to take full advantage of the time I have. Or just celebrating that you have and to see God's blessings, right? Wherever you're at, take a step forward closer to the cross. Lord God, we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you for giving us time. Lord, time to find you, to fall in love with you, to to be transformed by your spirit. Time to move forward in our faith, Lord, walking with you, and and time to share you with this world. And Lord, as we leave today, I pray, Lord, that we would leave with, with you, knowing that we are ready for that day, whenever earthly time stops and, and our, our heavenly journey starts. Lord, that we're taking you with us, that you're guiding our steps and, and showing us what we need to do with our time. And Lord, I pray that as we go this week, we'll be faithful to that. We will do it on purpose. And Lord, through our, us taking our faith seriously, God, we will show this world what it means to follow you and who you really are. And God, as we go this week, Lord, help us to manage our time to do everything you've asked us to do. Lord, open our eyes, hold our hearts, and point our feet in the right direction. Thank you for going with us this week. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.